Polly, Polly. When you write a song, sometimes they just fall out of the air and land on your lap. This was no one of those. 
This song took years to finish, but it was when we actually recorded some amazing voices on the end chorus that I got the old shivers down the spine, and I knew that it was finally complete. This is Sky Blue.
welcome to Weekly Review with Roman. Today, it's Friday, August 15th, 2020. Don't be fooled by my cheerful demeanor and my voice. Things are pretty frightening out right now. Uh, they have been for a while, but thanks so much for tuning in. We're broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio. We are in San Francisco, and we're on a lonely land. And I want to encourage folks, if you have not already, to go to ramaytush.com, and that's R-A-M-A-Y-T-U-S-H.com, and there you can learn about what we know of as San Francisco, folks who are here before us, and uh, petitions you can sign to remove statues of colonizers. And I also want to encourage folks to pay the Segura Tay Land Trust. And you can go to segurate-landtrust.org, and that's S-O-G-O-R-E-A-T-E-landtrust.org, and you can pay the Shimmy Land Tax there. And you can also sign up for their mailing list to learn more. And also, there's an article, I don't know if I'll be able to get to it today, but I wanted to encourage folks to check it out if you're interested, called Teaching Indigenous Star Stories, and that is from thewalrus.ca. So if you go there, you can find this article, which was written by Kelly Bootsalis, and it talks about the constellations and a lot more. I can't quite even summarize it, because there's, there's a lot there. So I do want to encourage folks to check out that article. Okay, I'll be going through some news. Uh, Yep, that's what I'll be doing, playing music uh, in between to kind of cleanse the palate and remind us that there is beauty in the world because, yikes, things are frightening and disturbing. However, a big piece of the show is also just sharing action items that folks can take, upcoming events, teach-ins, protests, etc. And there is a lot of ways that folks can show up regardless of your circumstance and where you are and who you are. There's so many things that are happening right now, so I do want to encourage folks to show up as you're able Start off the show with a song, More Than This, which is it's by Peter Gabriel, and that was a version that his daughter sang with him. And then following that was uh, Sky Blue, which Peter Gabriel did with the Blind Boys of Alabama. And uh, sometimes I have, sometimes I make the playlist ahead of time, and today was not one of those days. So I'll be piecing it together as we go, and I hope you all enjoy. All right, so I'm going to start off with a few news stories, and I'll probably be ranting at some point because, yikes, wow. I don't know why I'm saying yikes so much, but maybe that's... Uh, that's just the word that comes to mind. Got to go with it. So I wanted to start off with an article that actually came out last fall, but it's pretty, uh, it's still extremely relevant. And this is from The Observer. And this is, uh, sex workers are at the forefront of the fight against mass surveillance and big tech. And this is written by Aaron Taylor, and it came out on November 12th, 2019. And again, you can find it at observer.com. And we're also just hearing about how, while this pandemic is hurting so many people it's also hurting sex workers who are also at risk in terms of the fact that because we live in this really backward society sex work is criminalized which is so stupid and i'm also just gonna well maybe i'll start ranting right now is that the folks i've met who do and have done sex work are them just fucking awesome people and they're just really generous kind folks and the idea that somehow they have less or they're more at risk in terms of supporting themselves in general than, say, I don't know, police officers who just get paid six figures to beat people up. I think that's kind of backwards and fucked up. So ugh, didn't mean to make myself feel down or make any listeners feel down. I, don't, I can't make anyone feel anything. However, it's just uh, wanting to call out how messed up it is and fucked up it is. So sending lots of love and solidarity to all the sex workers out there. And... So I'm going to read a little bit from this article, and I will, I'm sure, learn something from it. 
last week, so again, this is back in November, uh, last week, sex workers, researchers, journalists, law students, and allies met in a lecture room of Austin Hall at Harvard University for hacking slash hustling at Harvard. They gathered to learn from one another about the ways in which their own sex working communities have been organizing and protecting themselves from the threat of mass surveillance and online censoring in the wake of SESTA-FOSTA, a law that amends the Communications Act of 1934 to clarify the Section 230 of such act does not prohibit the enforcement against providers and users of interactive computer services, federal and state criminal and civil law relating to sexual exploitation of children or sex trafficking and for other purposes. Section 230 of the Communications Act traditionally acts as a safeguard for free speech online, but SESTA-FOSTA's limitations on Section 230 led to a panic about what websites could allow their users to post. The collective that is hacking slash hustling focuses on the intersection of technology and social justice issues that formed in response to the threat imposed on the sex working community after the passing of SESTA-FOSTA in April of 2018. The impact of SESTA-FOSTA has been sweeping and unforgiving toward the sex working community, both in the United States as well as globally. The law itself, along with the reactions of the general public, internet platforms, and the sex working community has had a profound impact. It has influenced not only the sex working community, but arguably the entire American political landscape. In 2019, as it, often, as it is often the gateway topic to conversations around decriminalization of sex work as a whole. And forgive the, the noise, I've got the doors open here just to get some more of the fresh air in, and it's pretty warm out today. Hacking slash hustling at Harvard was a successful day of knowledge sharing, community care, and in some ways emphasized what we all already knew, that SESTA-FOSTA has harmed sex working communities while only contributing to a greater normalization of mass surveillance and censorship in the overall American political landscape. Sex workers have been surveyed long before the use of facial recognition technology, before algorithms, and before data collecting. Sex workers come from every corner of society because people of all identities have traded sex to survive. However, sex workers of color, queer sex workers, sex workers who use drugs, and those who work outdoors are at higher risk of surveillance and violence from the criminal justice system. SESTA-FOSTA has contributed to a long history of sex working communities being othered from the greater society, targeted for surveillance, and being carelessly put at risk for violence, this time in the name of quote-unquote anti-trafficking efforts. According to Laura Chamberlain in her Fordham Law Review paper, FOSTA, a hostile law with a human cost. Within one month of FOSTA's enactment, 13 sex workers were reported missing and two were dead from suicide. Within a single month, FOSTA-SESTA's passing had a tangible impact on the sex working community, yet according to sex worker, writer, and activist Laura Lay Lee, there's been no criminal prosecutions using the law in the 18 months since it, it passed. And not only that, during the Backpage trial, whose takedown has falsely been attributed to FOSTA-SESTA, when actually the law that took down Backpage was the Travel Act, according to Lee, the Department of Justice actually stated that FOSTA had a higher federal intent requirement than the anti-trafficking laws, which were already in place. Lee shared this on a panel covering a legal explainer of SESTA-FOSTA, since, of course, laws that target marginalized communities typically are written in academic and legal jargon that often make it completely inaccessible to the communities they impact. It should be very clear that sex workers have been organizing their communities long before the internet and SESTA-FOSTA. 
1975 eight-day strike by French sex workers during which they occupied a total of five churches throughout France, demanding an end to police harassment, the reopening of hotels they frequently worked, and the scrapping of anti-pimping laws is a well-known early action of sex worker resistance. June 2nd, the day that sex workers in Lyon began the strike by occupying St. Nizier Church is now commemorated globally as International Horse Day. Sex workers have been organizing globally in response to threats brought on by criminalization, social stigma, and violence. All of those are linked long before SESTA-FOSTA. And the article features a photo from June of 1975. That being said, SESTA-FOSTA has sparked an increase in political involvement in sex working communities within the United States. Workers who may have previously chosen to remain apolitical have reacted to the threat of SESTA-FOSTA. Emily, a grassroots organizer and researcher based in Las Vegas, shared on the panel mobilization via threat, sex worker resistance in a post-SESTA-FOSTA era. That threat as a mobilizing force should be central to analysis of sex worker movement activity and their ongoing organizing and resistance efforts. Emily later quoted the dominatrix and sex worker rights activist Danielle Blunt's research shared earlier that day that there was a 50.5% increase in movement involvement after SESTA-FOSTA. Emily's research contends that this is due to the threat of the impact of SESTA-FOSTA that sex workers have mobilized at such a high rate with the national conversation growing through the, the virality of hashtags such as hashtag let us survive and hashtag survivors against SESTA. Emily did bring up that these hashtags obviously can be shadow banned, and, and often hashtags such as hashtag Black Sex Workers Matter or the slew of tags representing campaigns of different incarcerated sex workers still struggle to stay in the spotlight. It's also important to note that even though SESTA-FOSTA has had a devastating impact and continues to do so, workers who don't use the internet to do business and work outdoors are not helped by SESTA-FOSTA either because they are still criminalized all the same, yet aren't always a part of the conversation of more privileged sex workers regarding the struggle against SESTA-FOSTA. Because, usually, their concerns are very different. This doesn't mean that they're not also surveyed. If anything, street-based sex workers are at a higher risk of direct surveillance by the criminal justice system, as they often exist in communities that are already under heavy police surveillance. And they also provide a... Uh, photo here, I believe, from the meeting. Mass surveillance and big tech. After SESTA-FOSTA, many ad hosting websites have shut down Backpage, for example. Tumblr has become a hotbed for white supremacy after the porn sweep, and social networking sites have updated their terms of service and community guidelines under the guise of avoiding charges under SESTA-FOSTA. To repeat what Lorelei Lee shared last Thursday, there hasn't been a single legal case that has, been, that has used SESTA-FOSTA since it passed. Bardot Smith, an analyst and researcher, shared during a talk on algorithmic warfare that not only are we, sex workers, responsible for developing the internet, a lot of times the platforms themselves will use us to develop their platforms to, s platform to sustainability and prof profitability and then will be erased out of the terms of service on that platform. Smith went on to share her own experiences of being kicked off, a, off payment processors, having issues building websites and on social media in general. Algorithms are affecting people and disproportionately they're going to affect people at the margins, she explained. So queer people, people of color, sex working people, obviously the intersections of all these identities and basically it comes down to people that they have determined don't deserve access to money and resources. 
As sex workers are being pushed off the internet under the guise of SESTA-FOSTA, it should be remembered that there has been no criminal proceedings using the law since it has passed. Lorelei Lee put forth that the fact that the platforms are reacting so strongly is not tethered to the actual text of the law, which begged the question of why SESTA-FOSTA has had such a big impact on the lives of sex workers and the state of the internet as a whole. The answer lies in Silicon Valley. Most people are familiar with Palantir, boo, the company that developed mass surveillance technology for the U.S. military in Afghanistan and Iraq, and how those same technologies are now being utilized by the likes of the LAPD, for example. Palantir provided the technology that allows for racist gang databases by law enforcement, which was later used by ICE to locate people without documents. The technology used to fight a failed war on terror in a post-9-11 Patriot Act-fueled political landscape has been used to target communities of color, working class communities, and sex working communities. One of Palantir's partners is the nonprofit Thorn, founded by Ashton Kutcher in 2012 with CEO Julie Cordua at the helm. Thorn's supposed aim is to end child, tra child sex trafficking through its two programs, Safer and Spotlight. Safer is based around content moderation, but Spotlight is a program that is used by law enforcement. During a panel, Rescue Industry Woes, Policy and Advocacy Addressing Saviorism, uh, the interim director and co-founder of Red Canary Song, Kate Zen, called out Thorn and Spotlight. She explained that Spotlight takes escort ads from various different advertising sites and makes it available so that Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, Imgur, Tinder and OkCupid all have access to your escort ads. They have access to your faces and your photos if you've done any ads. With facial recognition technology, your face is all nonprofits. Like, oh, your face, your face. Wait, with facial recognition technology, your face is all nonprofits like Thorn and law and the law and law enforcement who they partner with need to identify you across multiple social networking websites. Zen went on to say that Thorne has an extremely close relationship with Facebook, even hosting hackathons for Save the Children together. If you go to Thorne's website, there is little on how its Spotlight program actually operates, except references to there being 150,000 escort ads posted every day, and that somewhere in those ads there are children. The website references how the organization uses disparate data sources, which they, ha which they leave unspecified, of course, to streamline the process of finding victims of child child sex trafficking. In May, Violet Blue of Eng Engadget reported on Thorne's Spotlight program stating that at present and according to publicity available inf publicly, excuse me, publicly available information, Spotlight scrapes websites and forums. Its handout says Spotlight is built on a data archive of millions of records of escort, escort ads and forum data collected from various websites. Then, Spotlight takes this massive amount of data and turns it into an asset for law enforcement. Thorne later confirmed its use of online ads posted by sex workers in a June Quartz article, which happily boasted that Thorne uses tools such as Amazon's recognition products to identify sex trafficking victims, specifically using recognition's face recognition software, Index Faces. Index Faces detects and matches, detects and matches faces to images of missing and exploited children from open data 
web sources, which includes the escort ads that they warn so much about on their website. It would be optimistic to believe that Thorne's spotlight program isn't directly being used in the continued pushing out of sex workers in online spaces, especially as there has been an increase in sex workers being pushed off social media platforms, specifically Instagram and Twitter. It should be noted that in addition to Palantir, Thorne partners with Amazon, Boo, Google, IAC, Digital Reasoning, Microsoft, MemSQL, Elastic, and Domino, at least according to their website. When reached for comment, Thorne sidestepped the question of how it uses escort ads within its data collection. Thorne's tool, Spotlight, is an essential tool that accelerates the speed at which child sex trafficking victims can be identified. Facial recognition is one of the many technologies that are leveraged in, a, in, to, in aggregate to help identify child victims, CEO Julie Cordua said in a statement to Observer. To date, Spotlight has assisted in identifying more than 10,000 child sex trafficking victims. Until the time when children are not bought and sold online, we will continue to deploy the most cutting-edge technology available to identify and recover those victims. Having directly asked for comment about how Thorne's Spotlight program could be used to harm consenting adults who trade sex, Thorne's avoidance of discussing how they use escort ads in their data collection while also not denying it speaks volumes. It diminishes the very valid concerns of the sex working community on how their own faces are being used. E when even posting an ad online in order to make money to survive can lead to your face possibly being cataloged and handed into law enforcement, that's terrifying. The normalization of facial recognition technology and mass surveillance being used to target marginalized communities, whether in the hopes of quote-unquote saving them or not, is dangerous. Kate Zen later spoke on the same panel about the Robert Kraft case and how it was putting video cameras inside, inside of these salons allegedly for human trafficking. And of course, it resulted, again, like many of these cases, in zero convictions of trafficking. And instead, you have workers losing their life savings to, you know, the cops that supposedly managed to save them. At the end of the day, are, at the end of the day are harming people. These technologies do inflict real harm on everyday people, but mass surveillance, in the name of anti-trafficking efforts, can actually often do more harm than good. Companies such as Palantir, Thorn, Google, which donated $11.5 million to anti-trafficking organizations, and their social networking counterparts such as Facebook, Snapchat, and Twitter, seem to have combined their forces to slowly shadow ban or use terms of service to kick all sex workers off the internet simply for existing online and digital spaces. I'll make a comment that's pretty fucked up that they haven't done that with uh, all the Nazis and white supremacists who are on those platforms. Ugh. Sex workers have been at the forefront on the fight against mass surveillance before the internet even existed, as their communities have traditionally always been surveyed. Hacking, hustling, if anything, only proved that even in a world after FOSTA-SESTA and even after the algorithm finds us, sex workers are organizing and surviving. In their panel on mobilization, Emily shared with the audience that it's important to point out that despite increasing surveillance and criminalization and attacks on our communities, the global sex worker rights movement is continuing to grow. Even in the face of mass surveillance and censorship, sex workers continue to find ways to protect one another, watch out for one another, and take care of each other just as we always have. So again, this article came out last fall on November 12th, 2019. The title is Sex Workers Are at the Forefront of the Fight Against Mass Surveillance and Big Tech. It was shared in Observer. You can go to observer.com and it was written by Aaron Taylor. I'm going to use this beeping time to uh, share some more music with folks. And we'll be back with some more news stories after this. Please do stay tuned.
back. Ah, that was the 2018 remix, remix, remaster of Cloud Bursting by Kate Bush. And before that, we heard Down in the Hole by Blind Boys of Alabama. I'm going to share a few upcoming events and another article, and then I'm going to take another music break. That's going to set up what's going on here. Again, thanks so much for tuning in. So there's a lot of different events that are happening that folks can participate in. Uh, so please do um, show up if you're able, spread the word. There's a whole whole lot of things that folks are doing right now. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R. I mostly share uh, news articles and other things that are happening. So a lot of the events that I'm sharing right now, you can find if you follow me on Twitter. Again, just sharing other folks' uh, posts here. So this is for Giant fan, Giants fans, San Franciscans, etc. Join the picket line at the ballpark tomorrow, which is today, Friday, August 14th. Let the San Francisco Giants know that no ballpark concessions worker is expendable during the pandemic and workers must be protect protected and that was from uh at aster zephyr isis and through uh, unite here local 2 they have shared uh the san francisco giants are worth 3.1 billion dollars but ballpark workers are locked out of our livelihoods and struggling to survive the giants refuse to even negotiate about supporting workers we're protesting today which is today again friday august 14th because they can't ignore us anymore. Hashtag COVID-19. And they have an image with all this information. So it's happening today, Friday, August 14th, from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. And there's a car caravan that is will meet in the ILWU parking lot on 2nd and King Streets. And you can use the address for Berry Street in San Francisco on Google Maps. And there also will be a socially distanced uh, or physically distanced picket line, which meeting We'll be meeting at the Willie Mays statue on 3rd and King Street. So, again, it's happening today at Oracle Park, 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. And you can follow at Unite Here Local 2 on Twitter for more information as well. Okay. Next up. This is an um, event that's happening. I'm going to go in chronological order here. An event that's happening tomorrow, Saturday, August 15th, and this is at the Marin County Town Hall. San Quentin Releases and Community Support, and there's a webinar that folks can check out. If folks go to the TGI, TGI Justice Project, which you can follow at, at TGIJP, uh, this Saturday, August 15th at 1 p.m., the Coalition is holding a town hall webinar to raise support for community-based reentry orgs. Come join us, and they have... Uh, the link, and that's bit.ly forward slash support re-entry, and that will bring you to the, the Zoom link. But if you look, if you follow TGIJP on Twitter, they have a, an image which shares that information in a very clear way. So again, it's happening Saturday, August 15th at 1 p.m. Join system-impacted activists and people recently released and learn what you can do to help. Hashtag Stop San Quentin Outbreak. Again, Saturday, August 15th, 1 p.m., San Quentin releases and community support at Marin County. It's a Marin County Town Hall, TGI-JP. It's a great organization that folks um, should support if you're not already. And then happening on September 1st, Tuesday, September 1st. Oh, wow, it's going to be September in a couple weeks. How did that happen? This year has been, wow, crazy. Ugh. Okay, this is from Study and Struggle at study underscore struggle. We're thrilled to announce our first of four monthly hashtag critical conversations hosted by Haymarket Books. And Haymarket Books is an awesome publisher and they also host panel discussions. I've played a few on the show before. Super awesome. Uh, perhaps I'm running out of uh, the 
different wide variety of words to use to describe these organizations, but it's just, I'm so grateful that uh, there's so many teach-ins happening. There's so much to learn. I'm continuing to, to learn and unlearn uh, some things I've been taught that were incorrect and just there, there's so much that's going on right now. So I do want to amplify what's happening. Okay. We're thrilled to announce that the first of our four monthly critical conversations hosted by Haymarket Books, RSVP to hear from Derek Purnell, Rukia Lumumba, and uh, Agitate Organize. These are the uh, Twitter handles. And Rachel Herzing, uh, who's been a guest on the show before. Uh, all proceeds benefit Prison Reform MFs, MS, and that's the Twitter, hand Twitter handle. I am talking so fast that coffee finally caught up with me. Now that I'm almost halfway done with the show. Study and Struggle, one, Abolition as Study and Deconstructing Racial Capitalism, Tuesday, September 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, with Rachel Herzing, Rukia Lamumba, Derica Purnell, and Stevie Wilson. And there's an Eventbrite um, page here that has all the info, and also they share that Stevie Wilson is currently in solitary confinement as an act of political retaliation by the prison. Please call today. And you can call SCI Fayetteville at 724-364-2200. We are calling every day, all day, until they let him out. Demand, release Stephen Wilson immediately and investigate the interaction where the angry overseer named Bozelli snapped at our comrade. It is on camera. So again, you can find this information. It's shared by at study underscore struggle on Twitter. All right. Whew. Next up, the brutal truth about police dogs. I, uh, I, uh, something I've been trying, I mean, I've tried to say it before, and maybe I have said it. I just find it interesting that, let me think of another way to say it. There's a lot of like animal rights activists in the world. I get that. Yeah, totally. Great. And I would encourage folks who are really concentrating on animal rights activism. I wonder where they are in the fight against police brutality, given that police uh, like shoot people's pets, shoot and kill people's pets, as well as use police dogs and horses in a really fucked up way. So I don't know how else to say that, but I'm just, you know, it's like that thing where there's con common enemies here. And if you can't get upset about the police killing humans, maybe you'd be upset about police killing dogs. I'm wondering where, where the animal rights folks are on that, and I want to encourage, I, want to, I don't want to shame anyone. It's more of a, I want to call people in and say, okay, where are you in this fight against police brutality? And I'm going to learn a bit more here from this thread by your friendly Butch Anarchist. And you can follow this person at Butch Anarchy on Twitter. And it's an infographic, The Brutal Truth About Police Dogs. I don't think this is going to be, oof, um, okay, let's read. The Rin Tin Tin Effect. Due to media portrayals of police dogs as noble, loyal, and good to everyone, but the really bad guys, in quotation marks, people have trouble visualizing how violent they can be during an arrest. Our image of police dogs is often leagues apart from the violent reality, and they show um, the movie posters for Rin Tin Tin, Canine Cop, as well as Canine with James Belushi. Wow. And let's see if I can... Oh going to click through these, see if I can read them in order here. Right. Okay. Clicking through the links. 
um, the history, slave hunters, or I should say enslaved people hunters, just as modern police can trace their origins to um, enslave, um, can trace their origins to hunting enslaved people uh, in the South, so too can police dogs, and they provide a an image of a like an ad from 1856. Um, the targeting, this is from a quote from the African American Intellectual History Society. The targeting of enslaved men and women was so pervasive that black authors called them, oh gosh, quote unquote Negro dogs, as the fugitive comprised the most lucrative target for the dog's owners. These animals held a prominent legacy in the testimonies of former enslaved people as their oral histories recollected stories of pursuit and evasion and often violent capture. The assault on black people was so widespread that a reader gains a sense of its normalcy in the literature. According to one former enslaved person from Mississippi, some folks treated the slaves mighty bad, put and were dogs on them far from a haphazard practice. The business of hunting black bodies was ritualized throughout the South. And um, I'm gonna click through the links here. And then they have a link about police dogs today and they share many headlines. Ones from St. Louis, Lafayette, Alameda County, Roswell, Vancouver, just all these article headlines, Miami, about dogs mauling children, um, attacking homeless women. It's really just unconscionable fucking violence. Uh, there are plenty of critiques to be leveled at other dogs used in law enforcement, such as narcotics-seeking dogs whose behavior can be affected by the clever hands effect, H-A-N-S, these slides will be focusing on specific specifically on criminal apprehension police dogs. Police dogs are specifically trained to bite harder multiple times and with more teeth than dogs naturally tend to. Studies that have compared bites from police dogs and bites from non-police dogs find that canine bites do, on average, far more damage. There are, on average, 3,500 annual ER visits as a result of police dog attacks police dog attacks result in a higher proportion of hospital visits than any other type of police force. Wow, I did not know that. While many police and others in the canine industry claim that police dogs are used on primarily violent suspects and only cause minor injuries and bit for 15 seconds or less, a plethora of cell phone and police body cam footage shows that this is often not the case. Police canines are routinely used on unarmed nonviolent people who are either hiding from or fleeing police, though even people who are actively resisting or armed should also not be brutally mauled by dogs. There are multiple instances of police using dogs on people who are already handcuffed or otherwise subdued. Police dogs are trained to become excited and to bite harder in responses to cries of pain, jeez, and do not always stop when ordered to do so. Their bites cause traumatic damage to victims, and some police dogs have even killed their targets. Fuck. Jesus. Wow. Ugh. And there's sources from plaintiffmagazine.com. Wow. And there's a whole link in this article, or this thread of police dogs and anti-black violence and um, canine units. Ugh. Fucking disgusting. Okay. Ugh. 
So, uh, fuck. I don't have anything to add to that, but just fuck. All right, going to take another bit of a break, and we'll be back uh, after this. got lucky came upon the shore found you a conquering america you spoke of peace wage a war while you were conquering america
Oh, you tell me that there's danger to this land you call your own. And you watch them build the war machines right beside your home. And you tell me that you're ready to go marching to the war. Oh, I know you're set for fighting, but what are you fighting for? Before you pack your rifle, go sail across the sea. Just think upon the southern part of land that you call free. Oh, there's many kinds of slavery, and we found many more. Yes, I know you're set for fighting, but what are you fighting for? And before you walk out on your job in answer to the call, just think about the millions who have no job at all, and the men who wait for handouts with their eyes upon the floor. Oh, I know you're set for fighting, but what are you fighting for? And read your morning papers, read every single line. And tell me if you can believe that simple world you find. Read every slanted word till your eyes are getting sore. Yes, I know you're set for fighting, but what are you fighting for? Listen to your leaders, the ones that won the race. As they stand there right before you and lie into your face. If you ever try to buy them, you know what they stand for. I know you're set for fighting, but what are you fighting for? Put ragged clothes upon your back and sleep upon the ground. And tell police about your rights as they drag you down. And ask them as they lead you to some deserted door. Yes, I know you're set for fighting, but what are you fighting for? But the hardest thing I'll ask you, if you will only try, is take your children by their hands and look into their eyes. And there you'll see the answer you should have seen before. If you'll win the wars at home, there'll be no fighting anymore. I'm a rich man's toy, sick of the way you've been putting me down, sick of all your stupid games. I'm a rich man's toy. Son of a gun and dummies in the air Coming up sometimes for I'm a rich man's toy I'm a rich man's toy i
Joined by Pearl. It's on the phone. Hi, Pearl. Thanks for calling in. Hey, Roman. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and we, we met at Mutiny Radio many years ago. Such a long time ago. Yeah. My residency with Mutiny probably came to it's. It's been a very long time. Yeah. It's been years. <laughs> Indeed. Well, there's an upcoming event that I, I was hoping we could talk about called Trans Voices that's happening on August 23rd. Yes, so Trans Voices is an event that I curate and host. Um, it's an event that um, uplifts and celebrates um, trans people who have talents using their voices, whether it be um, stand-up comedy, poetry, spoken word, um, or live, live singing. Um, um, and I've been curating and hosting it for a little bit over a year now. Um, we do the show almost every other month. It's, it, we try to do it monthly, but sometimes it's just every other month. Mm -hmm. um, but we have some really great artists this uh, coming, this coming Trans Voices. Um, so for those that don't know, this show has is funded by the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. Um, and it's usually ran at Strut, but we've gone virtual, as has most things. <laughs> um, and you can tune in on, like Roman said, August 23rd. Um, the show starts at 7 p.m. It's via Zoom, um, but it's streamed on Facebook. So if you can find me on Facebook, it is uh, Pearl Tease, and that's T-E-E-S-E. Um, and there'll be a link... You can find the event page somewhere on my page, um, but it'll also be streamed directly on my page once it goes live. Um, before I get into the artist, did you have any questions before I just throw all of this out there? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry? Oh, please, please go ahead. Okay, so we have some really cool artists. We have um, Jay Dodd, uh, Luna Merbruja. Mer Naomi Losa, uh, Nico Storman, and Switch Boy Wonder. Um, it is going to be it's going to be such it's going to be a little bit of a different show than some of our previous show, just because we are actually bringing um, on a special performance from a bur a trans burlesque dancer oh, cool. this time, um, which is something that we don't normally do. So this is like a special treat for our audiences. Um, so you guys have to come and tune in. Um, next, what is it? Thursday? Uh, Sunday. Saturday? Sunday. I don't know the dates oh, anymore. Sunday, Who knows the dates anymore? Yeah, Sunday, Sunday. the 23rd. Yeah. The 23rd. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, the event's free, um, so I hope you guys can join us. Very cool. And if folks want to donate or support the performers, is there, like, a link or ways that folks can do that? 
Yeah, so once you tune into the show, um, we will we will post like where you can tip and send money to the performers to support uh, what they're doing. Excellent. Yay, very cool. Yay. I'm looking forward to checking this out. I'm so excited for it. It's a super special show to me because um, one of the things, as a trans person, one of the things that I face um, most of my dysphoria around is my voice. Um, so um, to be able to host and curate this show that celebrates trans voices has always been really special to me. Yeah. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, and I think one, one benefit to having it online is that folks from around the world can can check it out. Yeah, we can. Not only can we have like an audience from around the world, but we'll also be able to have artists from around the world too. Yes. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Cool. But thank you so much for giving me a chance to tell your listeners about it. Absolutely. And I hope you guys are doing well over there. Yeah. Yeah. Doing doing as well as one can, I think. Yeah. Totally understandable. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much for calling in and hope to hear from you again soon. I'm looking forward to the show on the 23rd. Thanks, Roman. Yeah, Bye thanks, Pearl. Bye. All right, big thanks to Pearl Tease for calling in. And again, the show is Trans Voices happening August 23rd, which is Sunday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time. And again, you can find the info on Facebook called Trans Voices. And yeah, looking forward to it. That's really awesome. And as a trans person myself, it's also just so validating to, to see other trans folks out there um, performing and sharing their voices with the world. So I'm going to go back to playing some music and getting myself a bit, uh, uh, you know, finding out what to, what to go to next. I'm going to finish up by playing the song I was playing before um, by the O'Tours. And that was I'm a Rich Man's Toy. And before that was What Are You Fighting For by Phil Oaks, which is unfortunately still very relevant. Before that was Tracy Chapman with America off the Where You Live album. So, yeah, I'm going to come in halfway here through the last song, and then we'll be back in a bit. Stay tuned.
house and stretch your hands this house is clean but it is not my home did i make this bed to two hands touch on two sometimes i think of some place colder the sound of traffic and the way it's warm when you feel yourself grow up inside of you and you like a stranger but you
Weekly Review. That was TV on the radio with Will Do. Before that, we heard Gloss, G-L-O-S-S, with Lined Lips and Spiked Bats. And before that, Foxtrot with Introduction. Got some more news for all you listeners out there. And I wanted to go back to one of the first articles we were talking about with uh, how even when I'm not on the road, the, ho- the horn honking. Mm. Ah about how the pandemic is affecting sex workers. And this comes from the English Collective of Prostitutes. You can find them online at prostitutescollective.net. And this came out on March 21st, 2020. Statement, Coronavirus and Sex Workers Demands. 
The coronavirus has thrown millions of people into crisis for sex workers forced by criminalization, stigma, and discrimination to live in the shadows. That crisis is more hidden. Much sex work involves personal contact, exactly what we are being warned against if the virus is to be contained. The virus comes on top of a crisis of poverty, especially among women. Most sex, wor sex workers are mothers, mainly single mothers, who have been made poorer by austerity cuts. And again, this is from the UK. Uh, one and a half million people have been made deliberately destitute by government policies, and four million children are living in poverty. That means that hundreds of thousands of families in the UK rely on the income from sex work to survive. Sex workers' income is down, and for some reason, for some women, it has almost disappeared. Some women are turning to non-contact forms of sex work, like camming where possible. Women working on the street, migrant and trans workers who already have the highest rates of poverty, arrest, and violence are particularly suffering. Like other workers, we are being forced to choose between earning an income and risking ours and our loved ones' health. Contact with health professionals and contact tracing measures are hindered by criminalization because we can't say what we do or who we know for fear of arrest and discrimination. We must have access to emergency money. Sex workers are denied status as workers, so we are denied the rights and entitlements other workers may have. Many of us and the families who depend on our income will face, face destitution if we can't access whatever emergency money workers win from the government. If sex workers' contribu contribution to the survival and welfare of people was more visible, our status would rise and our demands would be seen as more valid. As our sister organization Empower in Thailand says, in life and in emergencies, sex workers like other women, and I'm just going to throw in my own two cents and other folks of other genders who do sex work, are doing the work of caring for others, yet this work is not recognized, compensated, or supported. For example, even though sex workers create 4 to 10% of the GDP, sex workers are criminalized and left out of labor protection and social security. Sex workers, too, are taking care of each other and our communities with initiatives like hardship funds to raise money for people in need. This is an extension of the caring work that sex workers, mostly women, do for each other every day, which is largely invisible as a result of the prostitution laws that prevent us from working together for safety. But self-help isn't enough. We have to demand what we need from the state. Otherwise, all the existing divisions will be deepened and the government will have it all its own way. Based on its record over the last decade, this will mean funneling money to the rich and increasing surveillance and repression, which is similar to the article that we read at the beginning of the, of the show about mass surveillance and facial recognition.
esse trabalho que nós about junk food and not what we need to take care of and also we have goals as a community as well with a little bit more. Stay tuned. Stay out super late tonight Picking apples Making pies Put a little something in our lemonade and 
take it with us We'll have to wait in a fake empire We'll have to wait in a fake empire Tiptoe through our shiny city With our diamond slippers on Do our gay ballet nights Bluebirds on our shoulders We're half awake in a fake empire We're half awake in a fake empire
and welcome back to Weekly Review. Gonna try to do a, a smooth segue there into the next audio clip I played. However, gotta put the volume up. So, please spare me one moment, and here we go. Morning. Hello and good morning. It's another fabulous day to stop telling black trans folk how to feel. Because today I wanted to tell you that I've already begun to see people shaming black trans people for having valid critiques and resentments towards Kamala Harris. So I thought I would tell you in case you didn't know already, telling black trans people how to feel about Kamala Harris is on the list of things that you can keep your mouth shut on. Because first off, America's political system has forever excluded us and legalized the oppression of black trans folk, all while at the same time exploiting our bodies and criminalizing our existence. So we have the right to feel however we want about the whole political system. But when it comes to Kamala, she's the person who denied gender-affirming surgeries for incarcerated trans folk, sent trans folk to prisons that didn't match their gender, and put 2,000 black and brown people to prison for marijuana offenses. We say all cops are bastards and the former head cop of California is trying to govern the country. Both options suck, but don't try to feed us shit and ask us to smile while we chew. All right, and this was a video that is on Twitter and posted Mint Jr. You can find the site at M-I-N-T-T-J-U-N-I-O-R on Twitter. And next up, we are wrapping up the show here, so I thought I would just go through a list of some some other articles that folks can check out if you are able. And this is comes from a mailing list from the Center for Political Education. They do a lot of great events as well. I'm going to share their email as well as links to articles if you are interested in perusing. Dear friends, this week the Biden campaign announced the addition of Kamala Harris to its ticket as vice president. Trump, meanwhile, continues to oppose coronavirus relief spending in part to prevent mail-in voting. As concerns about fair and free elections here in the U.S. persist, we also turn our attention to Bolivia, where sustained protests draw attention to repeated postponements to elections there by Janine Añez's U.S.-backed coup regime. We continue to confront deep uncertainty and need as the pandemic and related economic devastation ravages already vulnerable communities. We also continue to see creativity, care, and generosity expand through mutual aid projects and information sharing to stay safe and build power. See below. Here are some of what caught my attention this week, and that was from Rachel from the Center for Political Education. And if you're interested in getting these news alerts, these emails, weekly wrap-ups as well, you can go to their page. Wrap-up, updates. No one should go hungry. Street fridges of free food help Americans survive COVID pandemic by Frida Garza for The Guardian. Will California lead the charge for domestic workers' rights during the pandemic by Joshua Valenzuela for Ms. Senate leaves until September without coronavirus relief deal by Jordan Carney for The Hill. And I can say, fuck them all. That's mine coming from my own perspective. Towards a rush to reopen, but the COVID-19 crisis is worse than before. I'm scared of more than just dying. And that's a quote uh, by Timothy Pratt for Scalawag. Wave of evictions sweeps U.S. amid impasse over coronavirus protections by Oliver Millman for The Guardian. Trump says COVID-19 aid stalled over funds for U.S. Postal Service from Al Jazeera. We also have analysis. Representative Barbara Lee, the public is with us for the nation. 
from police reform to police repression 50 years after an assassination by Stuart Schrader from NACLA conservatives are trying to destroy the US Postal Service instead we should expand it by Bhaskar Sankara for the Guardian the unraveling of America by Wade Davis for Rolling Stone US sanctions are strangling a Lebanon in crisis by Bilal El Amin for in these times organizing assets and political education tools mutual aid Building Solidarity During This Crisis and the Next by Dean Spade is forthcoming in October. You can see a teaching guide on this book right now. Ooh, I think I'm going to click on that and share what I can. Okay, this looks like it's a 15-page document, so I can't – it would be a bit much for me to go read through it. However, you can find it um, if you go to v.versobooks.com fortune forward slash mutual underscore aid underscore teaching underscore guide dot pdf and hope to share a lot um, more in the future i'll go through perhaps they starts off with um, reflection questions introduction in chapter one three key elements of mutual aid um, chapter two is solidarity not charity chapter three we get more when we demand more chapter four and there's a many questions under each of these chapters. Chapter four, some dangers and pitfalls of mutual aid. Chapter five, no masters, no flakes. And there's 21 questions under that section there. Then then in-class exercises for individuals. Just different exercises that folks can do. And although this is a teaching guide, I'm sure this can, um, all of us can find ways to learn and think about just how we can participate from this. And then also they have a section that's for small groups, pros and cons of accepting funding, mutual aid and eligibility criteria, mutual aid to address campus gender violence, work overload, group dynamics, growing and sustaining student groups. Wow, there's a lot of information here. Then there's also out of class assignments. So perhaps if you know a teacher, if you are a teacher, this would be a great resource for folks and just different assignments that folks can can do. Oh, there's so much information here. So big thanks to Dean Spade for putting all this together, as well as there's also a syllabus and references and recommended videos to teach with mutual aid. Oh, there's a whole great list here. And again, I mean, this show here, uh, you know, it's two hours out of the week um, and uh, just a drop in the bucket of things that folks can do to, to learn more. And you can find the syllabus Dean Spade created for a class on mutual aid at the University of Chicago in fall of 2019 at bigdoorbrigade.com forward slash 2019 forward slash 08 forward slash 29 forward slash first dash draft dash of dash mutual dash aid dash syllabus. And you can also, there's also a link at deanspade.net for reading questions and a lot more. So wow, that's a pretty awesome resource. And that's only, again, it's a deep dive into this email here. There's also um, How to Survive Anti-Police Protests by Shane Burley for Truth Out. Syllabus, A History of Anti-Black Racism in Medicine by Antoine S. Johnson, Elise A. Mitchell, Aya Nerudin for African American Intellectual History Society from Black Perspectives. And uh, the American Postal Workers Union, APWU, is running a defense of the US Postal Service. Learn how to take action in support of the APWU. So I'm going to click on that because I am quite a big fan of the Postal Service. Um, there's a take action to send 
senators a message as well as resources by calling uh, your senators and they have the, the numbers there as well as a report of the USPS and rural America. We've also, I can't believe I didn't get to it yet, but they've also been taking people's mailboxes away in Oregon. And they've also, I've also heard things in, in Pennsylvania as well, as well as getting rid of sorting machines. It's disastrous. So while I talk to you, I'm going to at least sign this petition. Very least I can do at this moment. And fill this out, la da da, my street address, da da da, I'm not gonna share that on the air. And am I a postal union member? No, I'm not, but I do support you. I'm a member of another union, which is true. Speaking of which, <sighs> SAG-AFTRA has decided to raise the premiums to get health care. And I, eh, as an actor, I didn't quite make enough money through SAG to get the health care from them. And now they've added even more. So it's even more out of reach for a lot of people and folks who already have it. It's pretty disastrous and people are pretty angry. So, you know. I'm wagging my finger, not that anyone can see it, but yikes. Okay, check if you have a Twitter account to help the campaign later. All right. Start writing. All right, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send another letter to Dianne Feinstein and to Kamala Harris. Okay, my prefix. I don't really like prefixes. I think that I don't, I don't really care. My letter topic. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I'm going to stop narrating as I fill this out. There's, I thought it was going to be a little bit faster. So I'll do that after I wrap up the show. Next up, this week, drop, hashtag drop the ADL released an open letter to progressives and the ADL is not an ally, a primer developed by community organizations about the impacts of the Anti-Defamation League on recent protests and social justice movements more broadly. You can also donate to the CPE today. And they're just a fucking awesome organization. So please do support them. And it's about 1.45. I'll say one more quick thing. Uh, Eros, which is a sex club in the city, is they have a GoFundMe that's up. And I know I've mentioned a lot of places for folks to donate to. I also want to encourage folks to donate to, uh, to Eros if you are able. Okay. Time to just wrap up with some music. And let me pick out uh, a song here at random to share as we end up the show. Big thanks to Pearl Tees for calling in. Thanks to all you listeners out there. Oh, big thanks to all the folks uh, who support us on Patreon. Anywhere from a dollar a month and up is greatly appreciated to help pay the dues at the station here. You can find the Patreon with more information at patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. Big thanks to Shirley for helping out. We're putting a website together. So folks who are interested in listening to previous episodes, while you can also go to mutinyradio.fm and check out our archive there, putting together a website with guests and information because clearly there's a lot that goes on on these shows and so folks want to listen to episodes of the past with interviews music news a whole lot of events um you can go check it out yeah all right it's a wordpress page i'll be sharing more information in the near future about that so uh thanks again for tuning in and uh let's Find a good song to uh, end with. Here we go. Waiting with bated breath as I look through these whew, playlists here and uh, can also just do something random. And here we go.
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Anti-Trump is the antivirus or antibody to the Trump virus. We're a global alliance of humans standing up against the Trump brand. Antitrump.com started four years ago on March 19, 2016 with two sketches and a dream for a better world. Nobody thought it was going to be this bad. Most of us probably figured it would just be four more years of the same old... He was a 70-year-old babbling Nimrod. How bad could it really be? Treason is the last of his felonious activities. The Trump brand has hijacked our government and sold Lady Liberty to the mob. We are a leaderless and without the most basic healthcare systems and community services. COVID-19 is a pandemic, but the Trump brand is the virus. Welcome to the antivirus. Go to antitrump.com and spread the word. Individual politics aren't important. What is important is that we stand together as a unified voice and say enough is enough. That's antitrump.com. Welcome to Strictly Bad Vibes, your personal complaint department. Um. What, what the hell are we talking about? Um, whiny people and their stupid complaints that we requested they send us. Why do we do this? Why, why are we <laughs> None of which matters in this equation because it is his choice to carry such horse shit on the fucking train. And he was yelling. He was like, move it, bitch, move it, bitch. And, uh... And uh, I wasn't, I wasn't. I'm just not. I'm not moving it, you know. I've arrived. Why should I move? I don't like what work has been giving us at our free lunches. 115-340-1976, and it does not spell anything. 115-340-1976. Go for it. Call in, guys. Francisco Mutiny Radio San 
Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about...